So Joe read for us the 22nd and 24th Psalm. The 22nd Psalm has been called the Psalm of the Cross. And it's a clear prophecy of the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 24 portrays the Lord as our chief shepherd. Uh, he's pictured as the king coming in power and glory. And then sandwiched between these two chapters is the great Psalm 23. And this psalm is one of the most well-known, beloved psalms uh, in the Word of God. And here, Jesus is pictured as our great shepherd. Uh, you see, Psalm 22 pictures the death of Jesus for sinners. And his death is the event that made it possible for us uh, to come to him in faith, to have our sins forgiven, forgotten, and remembered no more. And there's a day coming that we will reign with him victoriously because of his grace. So between the time we get saved and the day we go home to heaven, uh, there is a life to live. And this is where Psalm 23 comes into play. All of us need direction, provision, and protection. And what a joy to know that we have a shepherd who cares for us, who leads us, who loves us, and who provides us securely for all of eternity. So Psalm 23, for me, it's a psalm for the living. It's a psalm for you and I to apply to our everyday lives. In these six precious verses, we are allowed to listen in to one of the Lord's children, lift his heart in song to honor the Lord that he loves. In these verses, David tells us that there is plenty to get excited about when it comes to our Lord and his goodness in our lives. So if your Bible's open to Psalm 23, you probably are thinking, well, this is a very well-known psalm. I know this psalm uh, quite well, and arguably it is the most beloved of all the psalms. But it is also uh, a psalm that is abused because people come away with the erroneous idea that because we follow our shepherd, uh, that we've been promised a life free of opposition, a life uh, free of illness and sickness and trials, but nothing could be further from the truth. So today I want to look at this psalm, a psalm of David, uh, where he talks about what it means to know the Lord as our shepherd. And as I said, many people know this psalm very well, and many think they know this psalm very well. You know, I heard about two guys uh, out fishing on a Sunday morning, and the first guy said to his wife, you know, my, my wife, the first guy said to his buddy, my wife is always on me for not going to church with her on Sundays. And I tell her, honey, I can worship God out in the boat on the water just as well as I can worship him in a building. And besides, I grew up in church. I know all the Bible I need to know. And his buddy, astonished, looked at him. He said, you know the Bible. I'll bet you $10 you can't even quote the 23rd Psalm. The first guy said, I know that psalm like the back of my hand. You're on. And so he began to quote. He said, Mary had a little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow. 
And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hand we all are fed. Thank you, Lord, for daily bread. His buddy looked at him. Man, you really do know the Bible. Here's your $10. So... Not everybody knows the Bible as they claim to know. Uh, sometimes we don't know these familiar passages like we ought to. Sometimes we treat them like the fine china that we received on our wedding day. We, we keep them behind glass and we only bring them out for special occasions. Well, today I want us to take out this psalm and to, to use it and to talk about how it can make a difference in our lives. If you would be so kind, if you would stand with me as I read aloud Psalm 23 and remain standing as we'll look to the Lord in prayer. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lord, we give you praise and thanks for this day that we could come together and worship you. We thank you that our, our hope is in you, is in Christ alone. We thank you for this psalm. We thank you how it ministers to us in every season of our lives. Meet with us this morning, I pray. May you be glorified. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. When studying this psalm, uh, it must always be remembered that it is the sheep in the good shepherd's care who is speaking, okay? So David wrote these words, the Lord is my shepherd, and we don't know at one point in David's life that he wrote these words, but I tend to believe that he wrote these as he was out tending to his sheep, uh, before he became the king of Israel. And I, I picture him reaching into his bag and, and pulling out his harp, and he begins to pluck the strings, and he begins to compose a new song that begins with these words, The Lord is my shepherd. And as he wrote and as he sang, the Holy Spirit of God gave David just the right words to express God's very heart. Because over and over again in his word, God tells us that we are like sheep and he's like a shepherd. Psalm 23 is the most famous portion of scripture that talks about this, but we find it in other places in the Bible as well. For example, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, 
the word of God says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Then in Psalm 79, verse 13, the Bible says, But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. Psalm 119, verse 176 says this, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandment. And then in the New Testament, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, the apostle Peter writes, For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. And Jesus, in John chapter 10, verses 11 and 14, he says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Psalm 23 has a very simple, yet clear, big idea that the Word of God is trying to communicate with us, and that is this. God's the shepherd, we're the sheep. The Lord's the shepherd, we're the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd, we're the sheep. Have you ever wondered why God would so many times in his word compare us to sheep? Well, I can think of a few reasons. One reason is that Christians like sheep have to be led. In fact, sheep are helpless to try to make it on their own. We're helpless in the face of predators just like sheep. And here's something else that makes us like sheep. Sheep have trouble getting along with other sheep. And here's another thing that makes us like sheep. Sheep can be stubborn. Sheep have a tendency to get lost. But most importantly, sheep are totally dependent upon the shepherd. And yet, despite these adverse characteristics in us, uh, God chooses us, he buys us, and he makes us his own delight in caring for us. He is ever interceding for us. He is ever guiding us by his gracious spirit, and he is ever working on our behalf to make us more like him. So I want to tell you this morning why Jesus is all that we need. I heard about a little girl who was attempting to memorize the 23rd Psalm, and uh, she began to recite this psalm by saying, The Lord is my shepherd, he's all I need. Well, she got the words wrong, but she got the thought right. She got the truth right. He's all I need in every situation, on every occasion, in every season, in every time of my life. Jesus is all I need. So I want to tell you this morning some reasons why Jesus is all I need. First of all, I want to tell you that he's all I need when my heart is restless. Jesus is all I need when my heart is restless. Look in verse 2. The Bible says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Will you notice that our shepherd leads us? He feeds us and he makes us lie down in green pastures. That's feeding. That's leading. Sheep 
need a shepherd. Sheep need leading and sheep need someone to feed them. They need water to survive. And, and, and the Bible says that the shepherd brings rest to our hearts by providing us what we need. And there's strong, strong language here in this verse where we find the words, he makes me. The Bible says he makes me. Literally, he forces me to lie down. Now, can I ask you a question? When was the last time that Jesus ever made you do anything? The truth is Jesus never makes us do anything. He never makes you come to church. He never makes you read your Bible. He never makes you pray. Now, he wants you to do all these things, but he will never force you to do any of them. He will not use his almighty power like a hammer against your heart. And yet the Hebrew language here is very clear. He makes me, he causes me to lie down in green pastures. Here's the truth. When we follow Jesus, he creates a perfect atmosphere where we cannot help but experience his rest and his peace. He provides us with all that we need when our hearts are restless. Philip Keller, an author who wrote over 35 Christian books and who was a pastor and an author, spent eight years as a shepherd. And before that, he grew up in Africa and he watched many shepherds tend to their flocks. And in his wonderful book, a shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm. Philip Keller notes that the deep wells God leads us to are not always delightful experiences that we may imagine them to be. He tells the story of standing under the blazing equatorial sun of Africa, watching the native herds lead being led to their owner's wells. And, and some of those wells were enormous caverns uh, chiseled out of sandstone formations along sandy rivers. And there uh, were ramps leading down into these water troughs at the bottom. And the herds and the flocks were led down into those deep cisterns where there was cool, clean, clear water. The path was dangerous and it was dark but down there in the well, the shepherd would bail out water to satisfy his flock. It was hard, hot, heavy work. But down there in the well, the shepherd would bail out water to satisfy his flock. And everything hinged and depended on the diligence of that shepherd to water his flock. And only through his energy and his efforts and his sweat... And his strength could the shepherd satisfy his sheep. And the same thing is true in the Christian life. Jesus exerts himself. He pours himself out to lead us by still waters. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. But many times the places that he leads us appear to be dark and dangerous and somewhat disagreeable. I want you to know something. Jesus never said following him would be easy. But he did say that he would be with us through it all. Wherever he leads, he is there with us. Your situation today, in your home, in your family, 
in your life or as you look out at the world, your situation today may make you feel troubled, may make you feel burdened, but you need to remember that Jesus is at work in each of our situations, and he's all I need when my heart is restless. I also want to tell you that the Lord is all I need when my path is uncertain. He's all I need when my path is uncertain. Look in verse 3 of this psalm. The Bible says, He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. The Bible says He restores my soul. Literally, that means that He saves my life. Shepherds will tell you that sheep can nibble their way into lostness. Sheep can go from one little tuft of grass to the next until it finds itself far, far away from the flock. They just munch away, moving from blade to blade, and they get on the wrong path. Oftentimes, they're in danger when they do that. Well, the Bible says that my shepherd leads me in paths of righteousness. He guides me into the right paths. I heard about a little boy named Tanner. And his parents were trying to teach him his address and his phone number in case he ever got lost. And one evening before bedtime, it was dark out, but he and his dad went for a walk. They hadn't walked too far from home, and Tanner's dad asked. He wanted to test Tanner's knowledge to see if he knew where he lived. So he, he asked Tanner, he said, Tanner, how far are we from home? And Tanner said, Daddy, I don't know. They walked a bit further, and his dad tried again. He said, well, where are you? And Tanner said, Daddy, I don't know. They walked a bit further, and his father asked, well, how do you get back home, Tanner? Tanner said, Dad, I don't know. The father said, well, it sounds to me like you're lost, son. But with a confident grin, Tanner looked up at his dad, and he said, I'm not lost, Daddy. I'm with you. You see, no matter where we go in life, our father is with us. You may at times feel like you're alone in your situation. You may feel as though that uh, the shepherd is not answering your prayers, but no matter where we walk, no matter where we go, we know we're on the right path if we're following Jesus. He's all I need when my path is uncertain. So walk with him. Walk with him through obedience to his word. Walk with him through fellowship with his people. Walk with him through calling on his name in prayer. Walk with him by going after the lost who need him. Walk with him through a life poured out in sacrifice and surrender. He's all I need. And notice what the Bible says before we move on. Notice that he says he does these things for his name's sake. Right In verse 3, for his name's sake. Why does he restore me? For his name's sake. Why does he lead me in the right paths? For his name's sake. You see, I belong to him. 
He's placed his name on me. He's put his spirit within me. Therefore, his reputation is affected by my operation. Let me say that one more time. His reputation is affected by my operation. He leads me in the right paths and he restores my soul for his own name's sake. The way I live affects the, the way the world perceives his character. And so it's not just for my sake, but for his own name's sake. He's all I need when my path is uncertain. Number three, I want you to see that he's all I need when my soul is fearful. He's all I need when my soul is fearful. Look with me in verse 4. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, a valley is a, is a low place between two mountains. And there are some here this morning who are in a valley, a low place. We all want to be on the mountaintop, don't we? Uh, the high place. We all want to be on top of the world where life is good and our finances are good and our faith is strong and our marriage is good and, and our health is good. But you can't go from mountaintop to mountaintop without first traveling through a valley. You see, mountains are separated by valleys, a, a low place. And oftentimes the valley simply means another mountain is waiting to happen. But only when you walk through it, not when you give up, not when you sit down, but you keep walking. The Lord knows that you're in a valley. The valley is a mountaintop waiting to happen. What will help us get through our valleys in, in life? If you look there in verse 4, it says, For you are with me. You, our Lord, is with us. So while you are experiencing these valleys that we all experience in life, continue to look to the Lord, your shepherd. He's all you need in that valley. Also, look right in the middle of that verse. It says, I will fear no evil. H.P. Lovecraft made his living as a horror writer. He wrote all kinds of scary stories and, and terrorizing novels. And here's what he said about fear. He said, the oldest and the strongest emotion of mankind is fear. And there are all kinds of fears that people have. I heard about somebody else by the name of Fred Colbertson, and he has collected and he's organized a list of over 500 fears and phobias, and he attests that every phobia on his list can be found either in reference books or medical papers. So he's not making this stuff up. And here are a few of the, the phobias that he has documented. Acoustophobia, that's the fear of noise. And then there's amnesia phobia, that's the fear of amnesia. Somebody asked a guy if he'd ever had that, and he said, well, I'm not sure, I can't quite remember. But that's amnesia phobia. And then there's bibliophobia, the fear of books. Pelotophobia, that's the fear of bald people. I'm not making that up. Coronaphobia, that's the fear of time. Ecclesiophobia, 
That's the fear of church. Jurassophobia, and that's the fear of growing old. And phobophobia, which is the fear of phobias. Fear can paralyze us. All of us have things that we're afraid of. And the Bible says that with our shepherd, we can walk through our deepest fears. Look what the Bible says there. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, through the eyes of the internet, I've seen this place in Israel that's uh, traditionally been called the valley of the shadow of death. It's a place where the mountaintops come together in a very steep ravine and, and, and rocks overhang and it becomes very shadowy and dark in the late afternoon. And the shepherds, they'll, they'll lead their sheep down through these ravines uh, overhung with high cliffs which cause deep, dark shadows. The sheep would have a natural tendency and aversion uh, to head towards the darkness for cover. And yet, because their shepherd is there to lead them, there's nothing that they need to fear. I will fear no evil, the Bible says. The shadow of death is nothing to fear. I love that, that the Bible says, I love the fact that the Bible refers to death as a shadow, the shadow of death. You know, the shadow of a knife can't cut you. The shadow of a tiger cannot bite you. The shadow of a speeding car cannot run you over. The shadow of a falling boulder cannot crush you. The shadow of a bullet cannot kill you. And the shadow of death need not frighten you if you know Jesus as your shepherd. Because of Jesus, we are never fully hit with all that death can bring. We only face its shadow. The Bible says the shadow of death is nothing to fear. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55, the Word of God says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The Lord has taken the sting out of death. Jesus has given us victory over death. And we can say with the psalmist, I will fear no evil. And today, we need to be saying that to one another, to our families, to our children. I will fear no evil because if you start to fear evil, you'll abandon your post and you'll stop doing what God has called each and every one of us to do. Charles Jenkins, he had been a good soldier for nine years. He'd received a, a good conduct award and been promoted to sergeant. But on January 5th, 1965, after 10 days of planning and after drinking 10 beers, he tied a white t-shirt to his rifle and he defected to the North Koreans. He disappeared in that dark country for nearly 40 years until 2004 when he was able to leave North Korea to seek medical treatment in Japan. And that September, he turned himself in to U.S. military authorities. And at his court-martial, the frail, weak, fragile, 
tearful 64-year-old man pleaded guilty to desertion. He stood before the judge and he said, Ma'am, I am in fact guilty. The question was why. Why would he walk away from his unit? Why would he walk away from his country? Why would he abandon his family? The answer was simply fear. He said that he fled because he was afraid that he'd be transferred to the dangerous daytime patrols in the demilitarized zone between the two Koreas, or worse yet, that he would be sent to Vietnam. Jenkins knew that he had done wrong, and as he stood there and wept and described his depressions and, and fears of death and heavy drinking that led up to his desertion, he realized just how wrong he'd been. He thought that he would return home at some point, but instead he suffered under harsh conditions for the rest of his life. He said, I knew 100% what I was doing, but I did not know the consequences. It was 24 years before anyone in America even knew that he was alive. He left his post because of fear. He abandoned his family because of fear. He forsook his citizenship because of fear. And I know some people in God's army who have done the same thing. They've let fear keep them from witnessing. They've let fear keep them from being true to the Word of God. They've let fear silence their mouths. They've let Fear keep them from obeying. They've let fear keep them from giving obediently. They let fear keep them from trusting the Lord. But when you're walking in the care of the shepherd day by day, there's nothing to fear. I will fear no evil. He's all I need when my soul is fearful. But then there's also, in verse 5, the Bible tells us that he's all I need when my enemy is raging. In verse 5 there it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Here the Lord's provision for his people is portrayed beautifully. He says, You prepare a table. He lays out a meal before us. You anoint my head with oil, just as a host would honor his guest. The Lord honors us as his guest with a fragrant order, oil that he pours out over our heads. My cup runs over. He lavishes us with more than we need in our cups. <clears throat> but notice where all this happens. The Bible says this happens in the presence of my enemies. He's all I need when... Our enemy is raging. And may I tell you today that the enemy is raging. That's what we're seeing in our world today. With all the different issues and all the different circumstances, the enemy is raging. And as Christians, we don't try to be enemies of any people. Jesus died to save all people on this earth. He reaches out in love to every person on this earth, but there are people who have aligned themselves 
with our eternal enemy. And they've decided not merely to disagree with the Word of God or to reject the Word of God, but to express hostility and hatred towards the Word of God and those who stand upon the Word of God. The Bible says that in the midst of our enemies raging, that He is all we need. As believers, we have an enemy. All the forces of hell are driving against us. The devil is our enemy, and he wants to slaughter you. He wants to destroy you. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they, might have, they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus said, your enemy only wants to destroy you. He has come that you might have life. So keep your eyes on the shepherd. In his wonderful book that I mentioned earlier, a shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm. A story is told about a man who spent the night out on the Texas plains with a shepherd who was keeping 2,000 sheep. And the shepherd prepared a bonfire for cooking and for heat and for safety. And the sheepdogs lay down near the fire as the stars filled the night sky. And suddenly there was an unmistakable wail of a coyote that cut through the wilderness and then an answering call on the other side of the ridge. And the dogs, they weren't patrolling at the time, and the coyotes seemed to know it. Rising up quickly, the shepherd tossed some more logs on the fire. And this light, and in this light, the man who was visiting, he looked out at the sheep and saw thousands and thousands of tiny little lights. And he realized that these were the reflections of the fire in the eyes of the sheep. You see, in the midst of danger, the sheep were not looking out at the enemy. The sheep were keeping their eyes fixed on the shepherd. And we must do the same thing. When the enemy is raging, keep your eyes on the shepherd. Always look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So when the coyote is wailing with an earshot of you, keep your eyes on Jesus. When your enemy is raging, keep your eyes on Jesus because he is all that we need. May I show you two other areas of my life where Jesus is all I need. Look with me in verse Verse number five, he's all I need when my days are difficult. Verse six, I apologize. In verse six, he's all I need when my days are difficult. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Notice the very first word in, in that verse, surely. Now, David, he, he could have used the words hopefully. He could have used the word possibly. He could have said perhaps or maybe, but he uses the word surely. And then there's those words mercy and goodness describe 
describing God's loyal love. It's a covenant love, a steadfast love that will not let us go. And the Bible says that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And the Hebrew word for follow describes an animal in pursuit. Somebody has said that mercy and goodness are the shepherd's sheepdogs. They follow us and they pursue us. They watch out for us as we follow him. So when the Lord is our shepherd, instead of being stalked by wild beasts, we're pursued by the loving care of our Lord. Notice, goodness and mercy shall follow me. Now oftentimes, if something's following you, you may not even realize it. You may not know that you are being followed, but it's still there. You may not see it. You may not know it, but His goodness and mercy are always following you when your days are difficult. On the worst day when someone you love and trusted has betrayed you or misused your love, His goodness and mercy are still following you. On the saddest day when you walk back to the family car from the graveside service at the cemetery and you wonder what you're going to do next, His goodness and mercy continue to follow you. And on the beautiful days, the happy days, the days when your face is lifted up and your heart is light, on every day His mercy and His goodness pursue you. He never forsakes you. He's all that you need. He's all I need when my heart is restless. Verse 6. He's all I need when my heart is restless, when my path is uncertain. He's all I need when my soul is fearful. He's all I need when my enemy is raging. He's all I need when my days are difficult. He's all I need. But then there's one more word of testimony and truth that we see here in this text. And he's all I need when my life is over. He's all I need when my life is over. Look at the end of verse 6. David writes, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We've seen this psalm in every area of our lives. Our shepherd provides perfectly. So walk with me through the words of this psalm again. The Lord is my shepherd. That's perfect salvation. I shall not want. That's perfect satisfaction. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's perfect rest. He leads me beside the still waters. That's perfect refreshment. He restores my soul. That's perfect restoration. He leads me in paths of righteousness. That's perfect guidance. I will fear no evil. That's perfect protection. You are with me. That's perfect company. Your rod and your staff. That's perfect comfort. You prepare a table. That's perfect provision. You anoint my head. That's perfect consecration. My cup runs over. That's perfect joy. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. That's perfect care. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a perfect destination. You know, right now, you and I <clears throat> are on the threshold of forever. You and I have never been closer to death than we are right now. 
Now, you may have gone through something in your life and, and you said, well, I was really close to death. Maybe you were in a car accident and they had to pry you out of there and you said, I was really close to death. Or maybe you nearly missed some type of calamity and catastrophe and you said, man, I was close to death. Or maybe you were diagnosed with a disease and you said, I was close to death. But the truth is, you really weren't so close to death because you're still alive. You've never been closer to death than you are right now. You've never been closer to forever than you are right now. Mark it down. Here's the truth. You've never been closer to death than you are right now. With each passing second, with each tick of the clock, we get a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And one day the clock stops and you cross the threshold into eternity, into forever. You need a shepherd. You need someone who can take you across the threshold so that you can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Heaven or hell, eternal life or eternal judgment and punishment. It all depends on whether you know the shepherd. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. A word that is often overlooked in that verse is the word believe. And if you were to turn your Bibles to John chapter 8, verse 24, <clears throat> these are Jesus' words in John chapter 8, verse 24. He uses the same words that we saw there in John 3, 16, the word belief. Believe. Therefore I say to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. He doesn't say it just once there, He says it twice. What will separate us from God? Disbelief. The only limit on Christ's atonement is unbelief. He offers His free gift his salvation, he offers us eternal life if we believe, if we believe that he is who he claims to be, the son of the living God who left heaven and came here literally on a rescue mission to rescue us, to save us from our sins. We could never do this on our own. Jesus lived a perfect life, a sinless life for 33 years. And then he willingly went to the cross to, to fulfill his father's plan of salvation. He willingly laid himself out on the cross, allowing the very creatures that he created to drive spikes through his hands and feet and hang him there to suffer a terrible death. All the while, he could have called the angels from heaven to relieve him, to get him off of that cross, but he stayed on that cross for you and I. He drank the cup, the Bible says, 
And again, this gift is available to anyone and everyone. It, it doesn't mean, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what sin that you are struggling with today or what sins that you have committed. So maybe you're here today and you haven't experienced God's shepherdly care. You know there's something missing in your life. Uh, you have a hunger in your heart which nothing but God can satisfy. There's a thirst that no one but He can quench. Friends, lost sheep are not doomed. They are, they are the ones that He came to find. But you say... Why would he want me? He knows my sin. He knows my wandering, my long habits of yielding. I'm not good enough. I'm not sorry enough. I'm, una I'm unable not to sin. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Our waywardness does not have to be explained to God. He is never surprised by anything we do. He, he sees into the darkest corners of our hearts, and he knows everything that there is to know about us. You see, we may not be what he wants us to be, but we are not unwanted. If we will have him, he will be our shepherd. Whatever we are, wherever we are, his heart is open to us. Let me close with this story. It's a story of a, a young man and an old gentleman. And both of these individuals were on a, on a stage in front of a large auditorium. And the young man, he was an actor. He was trained in the best techniques of speech and drama. And he stood and he recited Psalm 23. And it was beautiful, his expressions, his enunciation, and just the emotion that he brought to each word. It was beautiful, it was impressive, it was marvelous. And after he was done, the audience, they stood and they cheered and they clapped. And then the old gentleman, leaning heavily upon his cane, he was not impressive, he was shaky, and his voice was breaking, much like mine this morning. And he said the same words. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And when he was finished, not a sound came from the listeners. Nobody stood and cheered. But the people, they sat silently, weeping. And then the young actor, he stood up and he said this. He said, friends, here's the difference between me and this gentleman, I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. I know the psalm. He knows the shepherd. My question to you, if it's not already obvious, is do you know the shepherd? Do you know the shepherd? You cannot say that the Lord is my shepherd until you have made the shepherd your Lord. Until you come to Jesus and say, Jesus... I surrender my life. I confess my sins. I turn from them. I repent. Until you come to him in, sincere, in sincerity 
you cannot say the Lord is my shepherd. He's all that you need. Shall we close in prayer? Lord, we give you thanks that you are our shepherd. We give you thanks that you are all that we need. We give you thanks that that death is but a shadow, that you have defeated death in the grave. That there is nothing to fear. Our last breath here on earth will be followed by our first in your presence. Lord, help us to be bold and faithful. Use us, Lord, to bring glory to your name. We thank you and we praise you for being our great shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.